I'm Melissa White, and this is The Spirit Room. This is a place for seekers that find themselves intrigued with working with the unseen world. I'll bring you insight into my life and work as a medium, interviews with people that I find fascinating, and also provide you with some tools to help you implement a beautiful life in partnership with spirit. So I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy what spirit has in store for us. Welcome everyone. Welcome back to the spirit room. I'm Melissa White and I'm here today with a very special guest. His name is John Davis, and he so graciously agreed to join us to speak about his near-death experience. He was 21 when he had an ND that changed his life and proved to him that we don't ever die, we just change locations. He was given a tour of the other side and was shown what it's like as well as what we do. So his story is quite amazing in detail and clarity. So really, what a pleasure. This is going to be such a treat for all of us to hear about. So welcome, John. Thanks for being here. Hi, Melissa. This is It's great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, no, I can't wait to delve into it. Tell us where you're calling from today. I am living in Colorado. Actually, um, an hour south of Denver in Colorado Springs. Okay, amazing, wonderful. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, just, I guess let's start from the beginning. Like, tell us about your near-death experience. Sure. And feel free to interrupt me with questions as I go along. That doesn't bother me at all. Okay, great. Well, how it started is I was riding a moped or a scooter, and I was turning a corner. And right in the middle of the road, there was a squirrel. And I was going pretty fast, so when I tried to avoid the squirrel, the squirrel ran in front of it. And I turned, and I crashed into a tree. And I hit the tree hard enough that I had to have tendons reattached on my right hand. So I went into surgery, and this was the first time I I ever had surgery before. And I was on the operating table. And they started giving me the infusion, the anesthesia, and it stopped my heart. I had an allergic reaction to the anesthesia, and I was clinically dead for seven minutes. Well, during that seven minutes, this is when this whole extraordinary event happened. It was so strange because I I felt my eyes close in the hospital when I died. And the second that I opened them, it seemed like it was just one second later, I was standing looking at the most beautiful building I'd ever seen. And my first thought was, oh my gosh, this hospital is so much bigger than I thought it was. Because I didn't know, I didn't know what was going on. I was in a building. It was very long, like a huge long corridor. And right about then, in my left ear, I heard, my name is Alan. I'm your spirit guide. Well, I had no idea what any of that meant. So I just went along with it. And as this whole tour was going on, he was talking to me and telling me what I was seeing and what I was looking at. And he told me that the building that I am in right now 
is called the Orientation Center. And this is absolutely, it's just unbelievably how beautiful this place was. Imagine if you can in your mind a long corridor, so long that you can't even see the end, like miles. To the left of me, all the way down, all the way down this, this building, there were doorways or tunnels on the left-hand side. And everything in this building was white marble, was absolutely pristine and perfect. And these doorways looked like they had been cut out of the marble, a solid rectangle doorway. It was just beautiful. And there were there were thousands of these doorways that were heading down this 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 corridor all the way on the left hand side with these doorways about six feet apart or as far as you could see these doorways and tunnels existed. My guide said, "Go look inside one of the tunnels." So I walked over and I looked in the tunnel that was closest to me, and what I saw was space, like looking through a telescope, and I could see stars. I could see planets, and I could see other galaxies. It was absolutely the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Well, in front of every one of these doorways or these tunnels are tables. Again, beautiful white marble tables. And there are four seats around. Just like there are four, four sides. They had four marble seats around the table. Mm-hmm. At every single table, there was two people, and my guide said, these are orientation counselors. So what this building was, and what these tunnels are, an orientation building is when people die on Earth. They finish their lives, and they see the white light you've heard people talk about. Mm -hmm. The white light that people see is the light from the other side that shines in through these doorways. So that's what guides people back home to the other side, is the light. Right. Well, these orientation people, what they do, their whole job is to help the person remember where they are. Because the other side is our true home. And before we come into life, and I don't know how they do this, Mm -hmm. but they can somehow block your memory of the other side. Because if you remembered everything about the other side while you were here on Earth, you probably wouldn't accomplish the goals you would set for yourself. So somehow, when we come in, we don't have memories again. Well, the same thing happens when we die, when we leave, and we're racing through the tunnel. I'm sure you've heard about the white light, the tunnel that people see. Yeah. All that is real. All that's real. I didn't see it, though. I didn't see a tunnel or a white light. I was just transported to the other side. I had no idea how that happened, but that, that's that's what took place. And my and these orientation counselors, they help people remember that they came from here. They came from the other side or heaven or the afterlife, whatever you want to call it. They like to call it the other side. And he he's my guide said, Okay, look to your left at the second tunnel. Well, I looked over to my left, and I was probably about 10 or 15 feet away, and I saw a gentleman come through this doorway, and he was elderly. He was probably in his 80s or 90s, and he had his right hand 
holding his chest like he'd had a heart attack or was having heart pain. And my guide said he had died from a heart attack. So that's why he was holding his chest. Mm-hmm. Well, as soon as he walked in, he walked through the threshold of this doorway or tunnel, however you want to describe mm-hmm. it or however you want to call it, tunnels, doorways. They lead to the other side. They lead to earth. And they lead back to the other side. And people come down these tunnels. Well, as soon as he stepped over, one of the women stood up, who was one of the orientation counselors. She stood up and she walked over to where he was standing. And she took her hands, or, or she took his hands in hers and led him back to the table to sit down. And she was sitting across from him and she held his hands the whole time. And what she was doing was basically orientating him back to the other side, saying that you just finished your lifetime, you were, you did this in your life, you accomplished, this is what you achieved, now you're back home again on the other side. And my guide said, look at him carefully. So I looked at him, and the most amazing thing started to happen. He started changing from a man in his 80s to a man who was in his 30s. And I was told that everybody on the other side, their appearance is in their 30s. And I don't know why that is. I didn't even think to ask that question. But everybody is in their 30s there. That's what their normal appearance looks like. When they change back to their 30s, to back to their original age, they've remembered that they're back home again where they started. And so he stood up. He didn't need orientation any longer. And he walked up to his right. And if you could imagine white marble columns, just like they have in Greece or Rome, these beautiful, magnificent, tall marble columns that were to each side of these tables. So the left-hand side had the tunnels. Right in front of the tunnels were those tables. Then off to the right of the tables are these columns, and they lead to garden. So what happens, he, he stood up, and he walked down three stairs into what is called gardens. And it's where they have, it's where they have reunions. Everyone who crosses over has a reunion in the gardens. And everybody who was ever there in your life meets you there. Family who'd crossed before you, friends, people from previous lifetimes that are there. Everybody is there to greet you and to welcome you home. And the reason is having a life on Earth is a really big deal because it's so hard here. There is so much that goes on in a person's lifetime that there are many souls who don't want to come to Earth because of that. So they go elsewhere to other incarnations and don't ever incarnate here on Earth. So the ones that do come here are considered to be very brave. And so they have wonderful reunions. And I got to tell you, Melissa, these gardens were, I can't even begin to describe how beautiful they were. If you could imagine the most perfect English garden you've ever seen, you might get close to what this looked like. Well, beautiful. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Oh, I was just going to say, it's so interesting that you mention it because so many times in readings, when I am connecting with spirit, they will show me that they're sitting in a garden and it is absolutely breathtaking. And it's almost like a common theme. Like there's a recurring kind of theme there where certain, not all, they won't all show it to me, but some certainly do. And it's almost like this, it's like a sanctuary type feeling. So that's really cool. That's what you saw in your experience. Yeah, it was just like that. It was amazing. It was, I don't even have words to describe what it was like. The trees were just beautiful. They, there were only, the only tree that I recognized was the, was a weeping willow. And mm. it was beautiful. It was like the leaves were alive. Plants were just full of energy. And the, the flowers that they have there, I've never seen anything here on earth like they have there. It was just unbelievably beautiful. So everybody, once they have their, their reunion with everyone, their guide takes them to do what's called a life review. Okay, can I stop you right there? Yeah. Just for a sec, because I wanted to ask you something. I wonder if you were aware of spirit guides and this kind of thing prior to your experience. No, I had absolutely no idea. The only experience I had before this happened was going to church. Mm-hmm. I was raised a Catholic. Mm-hmm. And I went to church from really young age until I was about 13 or 14. And then our parents said we didn't have to go anymore. But I had no idea what a spirit guide was. I had no idea about any of that. There was nothing out there. I don't mm-hmm. think... I, I definitely hadn't read Raymond Moody's book yet. And I think it was called Life After Life. Yeah, And I think that's the one that came out in 1975, but I, I never read it. So right. all, this was, all this was just completely new to me. Wow. And it's so interesting to me about what you're saying about the orientation counselors. And it makes perfect sense because I find lots of times clients will ask me about or they'll be worried about their loved ones and saying, you know, are they... Like, what if they get stuck? Or what if they can't find the light? Or what if they don't know where to go? And every time I've ever connected with spirit, uh, they've always said, there's always somebody there. You know, there's no way to get lost. Like, they are guided to the other side. So there's no fear about any confusion there or getting, you know, going alone and being stuck or anything like that. You're right. You're right. Because what they told me was they said, everybody will... Well, no, nobody ever passes by themselves. No one mm-hmm. crosses by themselves. Mm-hmm. The other side always sends someone to get them. Yeah, and that makes you. It makes you think. For me, is because I'm, I'm. I'm usually very skeptical. It mm-hmm. takes me a long time to believe in something. So I was really skeptical about all of this. But uh, I don't know how they know when someone's about ready to die. They know. I don't know how they do, but they always send people when the person's ready to cross over. Yeah. I feel like it's the way that Spirit showed it to me before is almost like they see us as light. And there's almost like a different light that emanates for different reasons or different... Oh, that's like, interesting. I never, I never heard that. It's probably true. Yeah. Different energies. And so, like, 
when somebody's trying to connect with spirit, there's a certain kind of light that I feel like we give off. Or if somebody is getting close to the end of life, there's a different kind of light that's being emanated. And so it's almost like they can, they have that sense with the vibration and with the light and it's a knowing. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of fascinating to think about that. But certainly, yeah, it makes everything you're saying makes perfect sense to me. So continue on about this life review. Sure. Yeah, what they do is once they come back and they met with their loved ones again and they, oh, something else I'll tell you about. When they meet with their loved ones, their animals are also there too. Yes. All of our animals cross over also. And I saw two of my cats. I didn't get a chance to play with them because everything was going so quickly. But I see my two cats that I'd had years ago. So all the animals that we love are still there. So that's just another wonderful part of the reunion and something that we all have to look forward to. What they do is once you have your orientation, they take you to a life review. And my guide told me that he was going to show me the outside of every building first to see what it looked like. And then he was going to take me inside. So all the buildings in in the places that he took me, beautiful white marble columns, like the Lincoln Memorial has those beautiful white columns. All the buildings had that, and the Life Review building was a square building, or a rectangle, and we walked in, and it's like walking into a theater, like a movie theater, but instead of having one screen in the center, they had screens that were in a circle all around the entire top, so you could look up, and you could see on the ceiling, hanging down were these video or movie screens, is is what I would call them. I'm sure there's probably another name for them. They look like movie screens. And my guide said, this is your life review. And all of a sudden, every one of those, every one of those screens lit up. And it, was, it started playing episodes of my life. And there had episodes when I was a little kid, just a baby. Then when I was a toddler, when I went to school, when I was in kindergarten, when I was in first grade, and and all the way around this circle, there were different aspects of my life that were playing. And so any time that a person crosses over and they have a life review, this is how they actually see it. They see it on a movie screen. What I don't understand and what just blows my mind is who records that? How does that possibly get recorded? Because it's not just pictures. They actually have conversations you can, that you've had, people you've talked to, these life reviews can be so detailed, just as detailed as if you were living. And it's, it's just the strangest thing. And it's got to be something to do with God's mind or somehow God is able to record every single thing that happens in your life. Because you can yeah. see it when you do a life review. Yeah, I'll, talk, I'll talk about that when I get closer to a, yeah. another part of the um experience too sure the memory of oh i was just gonna say it's like the memory of the universe and so really each one of us there's it's like it's kept in energetic records but that's the feeling that i've always had like that it's an it's a record of all of the energy that ever has been and ever will be and it's accessible it is accessible yeah absolutely 
I, I was just so blown away by things that the clothes you wear, your hair, everything is just everything about you is recorded in the events of your lifetime. It was just amazing. So that was that building. And um, something else that, that I didn't, at the time, I sort of had a hard time believing, but I couldn't deny what I was seeing. Being raised a Catholic, there were certain things that you were told. Things about hell, purgatory, you know, we have, we live one lifetime, just have one life. Well, that's not what they showed me. They showed me that we have multiple lifetimes and that they're not just here on Earth, that the universe is composed of multi, multi millions of planets that we can have lifetimes on. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, too. Mm-hmm. But the, the next building he took me to, again, was a, a beautiful rectangular Romanesque Greco type of building with columns and everything. And we walked in, and this time it didn't have all the multiple screens on top. This one just had one screen in the middle. Like if we were going to go see a movie today, we would see the one screen, not a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And this was the building where they would show you past lifetimes. Because past lifetimes are actually real. And they showed me three different lifetimes that I'd had on Earth. And one was a monk. And I could see it. It was just, it was like watching a movie. It was, one was a monk. I had a red robe on. And my job was to teach the kids, the boys, in the, I guess, not really seminary, but I don't know what they call it for. Like a monastery? Yeah, like yeah, like a monastery, kind of like that. Yeah, and I, and my job was to teach the young boys there about the monastery and about the philosophy and and all of that. The next life, I was a shoe peddler, and I had a wheelbarrow made out of wood. And my job for that town was I fixed people's shoes, and it was so weird because when I was looking at this, of course it didn't look how I look now. All that's done based on your DNA and your genes and your parents and, and in terms of how you're going to look. But I still knew that it was me I was looking at. So I, could, I knew that it was me who was actually being in these different lifetimes. So the shoe peddler, and I would take the shoes in the wheelbarrow, and I would give them out to the people who'd given me their shoes to fix. So I fixed shoes. And the last one they showed me was of a fisherman. And I was in a rickety old boat. And my job for the community or for the town that I was in was to fish. And we had nets. And this was old. This was probably the oldest lifetime that I had seen. But we had nets and we would toss them out. And that's how we would catch the fish. So I I was a fisherman. Mm -hmm. So um, it was just amazing to, to see that because at the time, I never even thought about past lifetimes. If somebody had asked me before this experience, do past lifetimes exist? I would have said absolutely not. That's how I was raised. Right. Again, that's the the skeptic part of me. And then okay, so once that was done, the next place he took me to from the outside, it looked like it was a stadium. You know like stadiums we have now that are if you're going to go watch a football game or something like that, a, a big stadium, they're, 
they're kind of oval looking and they're just enormous. That's what this place looked like. So they took me inside and there were thousands of seats. Thousands. And what this building was, it was a planetarium. I don't don't know if you've ever seen one, but have you ever been inside of a planetarium? Yes. Yeah, yeah, you you look at the ceiling and they show stars and they show your galaxy, things like that. Well, as I walked in, there was somebody that was behind me, and it wasn't my guide. It was somebody else. My guide had taken me here to show me this, but there was someone behind me who was actually seemed to be in charge of running the show, running the planetarium. And he said, go ahead and sit down. So I sat down in this chair, and all the lights went off. And I looked up because the the lights started showing up at the top of the ceiling. And this was a huge, gigantic ceiling, the size of like a stadium, just absolutely enormous. And the voice behind me said, when you look at the stars, and when he said that, he didn't just mean me individually. He meant all of us on Earth. When we look at the stars, this is what you see. And he was showing me our galaxy, our stars, and then he started showing me our planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Mars, Uranus, all the planets in our solar system. And then the screen went blank. The next thing he said was, when we look at the stars, meaning everybody on the other side, this is what we see. And all of a sudden, Planet after planet started showing up. Red planets, blue, green, yellow, brown. And there were, first of all, there were hundreds popping up, then thousands, then millions of planets. But it was too much to even really get your head around how many planets there actually are. But he was showing me planets that are inhabited, that we can have lifetimes on. And there were millions of them. And he said to me, There is far more life in the universe than you can possibly imagine. And I was just absolutely blown away that the the planets were so, just so beautiful. And I couldn't see any detail. All I could see, it was like looking at a planet from orbit. Mm -hmm. And I could see them, the round shape of the planets, but I couldn't see anything in terms of the topography, the land masses, was there oceans, I couldn't see any of that, because I was too far above the planet. It was just extraordinary to see that. And that was called a planetarium. The next place he took me to was, again, another marble building, and this one was different, because it was in a circle. It was very large, but it was in a circle, and they had, again, these white marble columns all around the building in a circle. And so we walked in, absolutely just probably the most beautiful building I had seen so far. The floor was made of white marble, and it it looked so clean, like it almost shined. It was so beautiful and so perfect. And this building was where you go to plan your lifetime. Everyone goes here and they work with their spirit guide to actually plan what kind of things they're going to accomplish in their lifetime. What 
goals do they have? Do they want to accomplish going to college? Do they want to have a family? What part of the world do you want to come into? All of these things are built into your life, and you plan them, and they're actually written down on scrolls. Because on the table that was right in front of me, my guide said, these are your life scrolls. And I don't know why there were two. I didn't think to ask that. There were two scrolls. One had a red ribbon, and the other one had a blue ribbon. And I, I don't know why they had different ribbon colors. But I walked over, and I picked up the one with the blue ribbon, and I unwrapped it, and I laid it on the table. I just took both of my hands, and I pulled, I pushed out the scroll to see what was there. And it was black lettering, and it looked like, do you remember what calligraphy looks like? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That real kind of ancient, really nice-looking writing? That's what it was written in. Like someone took a black ink pen, dipped it in the inkwell, was writing, dipped it in the inkwell, was writing all the way down this page. Right. And these scrolls were pretty large. They were probably the size of two legal, not binders, but legal paper. Mm-hmm. You know, like they were laid end to end. They were kind of large. When I went to read it, all of a sudden it folded up again. And I got the impression that I was not allowed to read it. Because that was part of my life. And that if I had read what was written, I may not have accomplished what I set out to accomplish. So all of our lifetimes are actually planned. And they're planned with pretty amazing detail. Where do you want to, what country do you want to be born in? Do you want to be born in North America, Europe, Africa? All of that is part of your planning. Are you going to be a male or a female? What are your parents going to be like? What language are you going to learn? Where are you going to go to school? Are you going to get married? Are you going to have kids? What's going to, what are you going to have as a life career? But also what gets wound in there are challenges that we have for ourselves, things we want to overcome. And that's one of the reasons why we don't have our memory when we're on the earth is because it wouldn't be a test. If you were supposed to experience what it was like to I don't know, experience pain, for example, physical bodily pain for a while. If you had known ahead of time you were going to have that, you may not have chosen to come in. Because people come in for all different reasons of learning and experiencing. That's true. And so so many times, I think we also, we're looking in this life for answers. We're looking, I think sometimes people... And we all do this. We all kind of want a bit of a cheat sheet for life. Like we'd like to know, ooh, what? How can I avoid this or that? How can I avoid this? You know, something that obviously wouldn't be too pleasant. So um, we're always on the lookout. But the way I see it, you know, is that if we are looking at our intuition, or even people that come to me for a reading, if you're looking to simply avoid pain or avoid 
things that would be unpleasant. That's not really the point. Like the reason why we don't get to know some of these things ahead of time is because if we knew, yeah, maybe we would avoid it or we wouldn't fully be able to experience the whole the whole experience because we would be sort of knowing ahead of time and almost preparing or avoiding. So it's this feeling that some things, yes, we do have to almost be in the dark about in order to experience what we need to experience. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was told. They, when you plan your if you wanted to have a perfect life, you would never leave the other side. Yes. Because it already, exactly. is, it already is perfect. Exactly. The other side isn't, yeah, I mean, it's, there's no wars, there's no disease, there's no illness, nobody dies, no one gets, no one's hungry, there's no homelessness. It's Earth. It's kind of like Earth, but it's bigger. The other side is bigger, and it's unbelievably beautiful, is what it looks like. And all the different types of mountains and the lakes and the streams, all of those are still on the other side. All of those are there. But you're, you're absolutely right. If we had the memory, probably wouldn't come and pass the tests like we'd set for ourselves because we do set ourselves up to accomplish certain goals. That's one of the reasons why we came into a lifetime in the first place. And you're right, too, about there being, you know, suffering and pain and hardships. As we do, we learn the best by going through something that's a difficult challenge. And I, I always used to kind of just not believe in that. But then as I got older and started having more life experiences, I realized that, that was actually true. You really do learn more by going through things than having just someone tell you something. It's so true. And I think also it's hard for people it's hard for people to wrap their heads around that concept because when you're going through it, Sometimes that pain is so unbelievable. It's excruciating what we sometimes have to go through in this physical life. And so I, I love what you said about how the people who choose to incarnate on earth are seen as brave. And I would agree because it's not an easy walk in the park. Like, yes, there are some very amazing, beautiful experiences that we get to have. And I would think some of those are very specific to earth physical life, you know, Mm -hmm. but a a lot of it is challenge. And a lot of it is things that we may not be able to understand fully from our human perspective. And yet the soul has already determined that, oh, these are going to be some experiences that we can go through that are going to progress us. You know, we're going to come to a place of a deeper understanding, finding compassion for one another, for ourselves, really acceptance of self, acceptance and love. At the end of the day, that's kind of the whole, in my opinion, the whole point. We come here to return to that, to remember that and to deepen what, to deepen our connection. So it's, definitely makes sense that those challenges, if we knew all about them ahead of time, I think lots of us would chicken out. I don't think we would make the plunge. I think we'd be like, forget I, it. I'm, I, I'm I think sorry. you're absolutely right. <laughs> right? Yeah, because, I would be thinking, I don't want to go through that. I'd rather just stay here. But yeah. you're right, though, about the, you're right about the growth. The other side, there's such a desire for learning. That's mm. over there. It exists here too, but it's far more pressing on the other side. Everybody wants to learn and they want to grow and they want to develop spiritually. 
and evolve. And that's why they have so many things you can do over there in terms of there's libraries and temples of learning. They have whole, they have these beautiful marble temples devoted to certain things. Like one is devoted to music. So if you wanted to go and learn about music from throughout history, you could go to this beautiful marble temple, walk in and have just the most amazing experience. It's like going to a museum here, but it's much, much better. And you can see what was the history of music. You can listen to music. You can listen to song. Any type of, any era of music on the earth that you want to learn about, you can learn there in these different in these different environments. So they have those too. Uh, and this is a good point. I'll mention this now. My guy took me to, by far, the largest building that he had shown me. And I had a feeling that all of these different builds were fairly close together because my time frame was so short. I had seven minutes. But the weirdest thing is I felt like I was there for a couple of hours mm. because they don't have time there. Yeah. So I just felt like I was being rushed around kind of quickly. <laughs> but this building he took me to, it was the largest one so far. It had, again, the beautiful white marble columns. But this one had the steps leading up to the top. Kind of like our Supreme Court building in, in Washington, D.C. It looks kind of like that with the steps leading up all the way to the top of the platform you walk in. And I didn't know what it was from the outside. But when we got inside, he showed me that it was a library. But it wasn't just a regular library. Everything in that building or anything you ever wanted to learn about, anything was in that library. If you wanted to learn about architecture, it was there. If you wanted to learn about fishing, it was there. If you wanted to learn about math, everything you could possibly imagine you could go here to look at. And my guide said, I want to show you something else. So we walked over, and to the left-hand side of the library, there were these rooms. Just like our modern libraries today have study rooms, this room looked like that. And all the way up and down this, on the left-hand side of the library, they had these rooms. And they were probably like 15 feet by 10 feet, something like that. Not super big, but just large enough that you could go in there comfortably. Well, he, he walked over and he showed me this one room. And there was a girl, a woman, probably, obviously she was in her 30s, I think, because everyone else was in their 30s. But she had her back to me. She was sitting on this couch. She had jet black hair that hung down to her waist. It was very straight black hair. And she was wearing a purple gown. And ironically enough, everybody over there seems to wear things that are really loose-fitting because they're more comfortable. They wear robes or tunics. But there were people also that had jeans and T-shirts on. So you can wear anything you want over there because people definitely have bodies. A lot of people have shared that they thought people were just light. but they're not. They actually have real bodies. Yeah, it makes sense. Anyway, Definitely. Yeah. Anyway, going back to this girl, she was watching what we would call today in our time a flat screen TV. Mm -hmm. 
Well, at the time I had my experience, we didn't have flat screen TVs yet that were on the wall. Uh-huh. And that's what this one looked like. It was a, a large video, like a TV screen. And there was something playing on it. So my guide said, okay, go get closer and look what she's looking at. So I got a little bit closer, and I could see that she was watching a time in history during the Native American Plains Wars with the cavalry fighting against the Native American Indians. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing because I thought, how in the world could this girl be sitting on the other side watching a video of something that happened 200 years ago. We didn't have cameras back then. We didn't have any video equipment back then. Right. And he told me that it was in the mind of God. Uh, And I, it wasn't even, I hadn't even known at this point that I died. All the way through my whole experience, I had no idea that I had died. Mm -hmm. So I was just listening to everything he told me, just taking it in. And everything he said is recorded. So every everything like a battle is recorded. Conversations are recorded. Things that you think are so unimportant, they're all recorded so you can go back and review them later. And that's what this girl was doing. She was doing research on that particular time of Earth's history. And that's what you can do. One thing I want to do was, do you remember the Star Trek that was in the 80s? Star Trek I'm, Generations, where they had the holodeck? Uh, well, I didn't, I'm not familiar, but I know, what, I think I know what you're talking about, yes. Yeah, you can program what period of history you want to walk into. Well, you can do that there on the other side, too. Not only can you watch history by looking at one of these video screens, but you can also walk into it, and you can experience it just like those people experienced back then just like a holodeck and you can see it, you can smell it, you can touch it, but you're not able to interact. You're just there to see it. Right. So one thing I've always wanted to do. And when I get back, my crossover, I want to go back to June, 1944 at the invasion of Normandy in France during world war two. I would like to see what that was like. One of the most pivotal points in history. And I'd just like to go back and see what that was like. Yeah, I mean, you could, it's like you could experience it, you just can't alter it, or like, you know, be in yeah. it, but you can experience it. That's exactly correct. Yep, mm-hmm. that's exactly what a holodeck was, too. You could go and experience it, but you just weren't there to change anything. Right. Yeah, and then the last thing he took me to, he took me to, ironically, it was a castle. Ooh. And he said to me, because I, I asked why am I looking at a castle, the outside of the castle building? And he said that everything that was on the earth was here on the other side first. And the reason that there was a castle, he said that anything you want to learn about, you can learn about from coming to the other side. And they have, like, if you wanted, like, if you wanted to learn anything, you have to think it. And it take, and you're, you somehow get transported there. It's almost like Disneyland for adults. Mm-hmm. You can go anywhere, see anything, learn anything. And the reason that he took me to a castle is because on the other side, 
every type of building, any time era, anything in history is there. So he told me to walk inside the castle. So I walked inside, and I could immediately see on the ground was red carpeting all through the whole bottom floor of this castle. And it was huge. On the left-hand side, of there was this wall on the left-hand side, and it was a huge wall. And it was full of life-size paintings of the kings and the queens or the princess or the princesses that lived in that castle during that time period on Earth. So if you wanted to go learn about King George V, for example, you could go to the castle that he was in on the other side, and you can read about them. Here's, here's the crazy thing. There was a, each person that had ever lived in that castle, they had their life-size painting on the wall, and you could see what their clothes were like, what they looked like, but they were dressed just like they were at that period in, that, in Earth's history. And in front of every one of those pictures was a podium. And on that podium was a book. And each book is about that person's life. And this is where you can look in there and you can see every decision they ever made as a king or a queen. And were their decisions good for the people that they ruled over or were they bad decisions? All those are in there in that book. And it's, it's a book of that person's life in that time period. Well, here's another, just this just blew my mind. As I was standing there, I looked up to my right, and there was a staircase. It was a spiral staircase. And there was a woman walking down. She had strawberry blonde hair, and she was wearing a red gown with a either a yellow or a golden sash around her waist. And she walked up to me. And she could see me, and I didn't think anything of that, but she was the only person, really, that was there that I knew for sure had was able to see me. Well, she walked up, and she said, Hi there, is there anything I can help you find? And I still kick myself to this day, because I could have asked her anything about what was going on. Where was I? What's God? Where am I? Who are these people? What's life, what's life about? What's the reason for life? Any of these millions of questions that I have. And all I said to her was, no thanks, I'm just looking. <laughs> and, that, and that's what you say when you go to a retail store. Oh, no thanks, I'm just looking around. Right. And that's what, I, that's what I said to her. And I'm like, oh my gosh, John, you could have asked her anything. <laughs> but at the time, I, I just didn't know. Yeah. Well, my guide, he told me that what this girl loves to do on the other side is she loves history. And she loves history of that particular time on Earth. So she would be what we call a scholar of that particular time on Earth's history. And what's so awesome there is anything that you love to do, you don't have to work for a living like we do here to pay bills and pay your mortgage and utilities. We don't have any of that on the other side. You work at things you just love doing. And she was a history person. So if you wanted to learn about that particular era of history and you're on the other side, if you're going to go learn something about, you know, 
400 years ago, what it was like to be in Europe during the castle period and the monarchs and all of that, you would go here and you could ask this girl any questions about that time period in history and she would know the answer. It was just absolutely amazing. And, and I learned at that point that the other side has everything like that. Every era, every time period, everything in history is, is recorded there. And you can go and see it all. It was just so amazing. That's so cool. Oh, the, oh go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that it's just fascinating, especially because you didn't have any previous or prior knowledge or understanding about the other side. So all of this is coming to you as an experience. And it's not something that you could say, oh, well, you had already either learned about, read about, been told, been taught. It's a unique experience that you had. So it's just incredible. Yeah, exactly. And I had nothing to go on. Even at that point, at that point in this orientation or tour he was taking me on, I, it didn't even occur to me that I was dead. I never thought of it. Mm-hmm. I, was just, I was just taking in every single thing that I was being shown. And it was just remarkable. And the last part of this, my guide, he took me to a meadow. And it was the most beautiful meadow I think I'd ever seen. It had wildflowers and wild grass, and it was just beautiful. And outside, it was a perfect day, like 70 degrees, no wind, just a beautiful day. And all of a sudden, somebody appeared in front of me, and it was a man. He was in his 30s. And I think it was Jesus who came to me. He was bright. He was different than the others. I couldn't see his face. All I could see was his hands, and he was wearing a white robe with a golden sash, and he had golden-colored sandals on that wrapped up his calf, kind of like you see in the Roman time periods with those kind of sandals and things. Right. He was wearing those, but his face was so bright, like this beautiful energy of light was coming from him, so I couldn't make out his features. But he said to me, you must tell them there is no death. And the very second he said that, right afterwards, I was back on the operating table looking up and seeing all these doctors and nurses looking at me. And I had no idea what had just happened. But when, later on, when I had studied this and learned about people who've had near-death experiences, a lot of times people are asked if they want to come back. And I thought to myself, if anybody asked me that, I would have said, no, I don't want to go back. I want to stay here because that's our real home. That's where we came from. And that's where we go back to. And it's a feeling. The hardest thing about not being there is you can't feel God here on earth. On the other side, you feel God everywhere. And it's the most loving, wonderful, safe feeling you can possibly imagine. And people just love their existence. And they can do anything there. 
anything you want to do, if you want to paint, if you want to ride bikes, if you want to go swimming, if you want to hike or take classes or go to music festivals, everything that we do here, you can do over there. It's just thousands and thousands of times better. And I think if Jesus had asked me, or if this being had asked me, do you want to stay? I would have said no. So I don't think, I think that's why they didn't give me a choice to come back. Right. They just sent me back. Makes sense. So many people say the same thing that, you know, if they had the choice, they would stay. And sometimes I think too, it's, it would be a hard thing to explain after experiencing that, like trying to come back into your physical human life. I don't know. Like it, to me, it's just like it would have to change you. Yeah, I went through a horrible depression probably for about a month and a half to two months after that. Yeah. Because when I realized, it, it took me two days to actually realize what had happened. I had talked to my mom about this and I shared it with her, and she told me what she thought had happened. Also, that I had that I actually died. You know, I had seen heaven mm-hmm. or the other side, whatever you wanted to call it. And I went through. It was just a horrible depression because I wanted to be back there again. That's where we're from. That's where we come from. And I had that feeling that only on the other side do you have that feeling. You don't have it here on Earth. And I think so many of us know that. We know that this isn't our home. We're just here visiting. We're here learning. And the other side is our real home. And that's where we feel at our happiest. And you do feel absolutely joyful there, unbelievably happy. You have family, friends, loved ones. And I have people ask me, do the people who have crossed over, do they mourn us just like we mourn them? And it's a little bit different because they don't have time like we do. We have linear time where six months, six months is six months, years, a year, and it's 365 days for a year, and you might have another 30 years left to be on Earth. But for your loved one, let's say, God forbid, your husband dies, for example, and he dies when he's, he dies when he's 30, so he's young. And let's say you're in your 30s. You might have another 40 or 50 years to go But for them on the other side, it feels just like a couple of weeks. So they don't grieve like we grieve for them. Yeah, it was explained to me. It's like a veil. There's a veil that separates both worlds. And the veil on the earth side is very thick and heavy. So we can't see them or hear them unless you're like, like you, like a medium, for example, mm-hmm. and, the, and the veil on their side is very light, so they can look in and see us anytime. So for them, they do miss us, but they don't miss us like the ones that are here that have just lost a spouse or, or a child or someone like that. It's different for them. Totally. They've explained it to me that it's like when you go on vacation in this world and you might go away for two weeks or something and you miss home, you do miss your family and stuff, but you're able to enjoy yourself. You're able to go because you know that you're going to see them again. You yes. know that you'll come back and it's not, uh, it's not 
a sad thing. So that's how I kind of understand it too, that it's like, okay, of course they're going to miss us and they know that we are grieving for them, but I don't think they experience it to the same depth that, that yeah, we would. Absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. They definitely don't. They have a different understanding of it. Mm-hmm. They have all their mind back, all their memories, yeah. everything back. So they understand completely that their loved one is still on earth, haven't finished his or her life yet, things they still have to accomplish, but that they'll be there when they cross over. And a lot of times people will ask me, what happens if my husband decides to go into another lifetime when I get there? And what they told me was that no one does that. They wait for everyone who was in their lifetime to cross over because there's plenty of time to think about having another life if you want to. Not everybody does. A lot of people don't. A lot of people just stay on the other side. But the ones who've crossed over that are loved ones, they don't come into a lifetime until the rest of their family gets back. Yeah, I've heard this the similar stuff from Spirit as well. And oh, even good. in the odd chance if somebody did, like for whatever reason, that their spirit is still it still remains in spirit regardless. So they may end up where they could go and be in like another lifetime, but that spirit part of themselves that's connected to that person or that lifetime would still remain and be accessible. You know, so even if there was that opportunity, but I've heard so many times from spirit that they do wait and that basically you keep you keep coming back or not, but there's a sense that nobody's forced. It's not a forced thing. Like you have to keep coming, uh, a choice, a choice that you would make and kind of like childbirth, how we, we forget the pain. You know, we kind of have this yes. amnesia and we're like, yes, of course I'll do it again because it's so worthwhile exactly. and beautiful. But yeah, if you ask someone in the midst of their labor, they might have a different answer, but you know, afterwards. I, I've heard it explained that way before too. That's very true. Mm-hmm. So it's just incredible. I mean, it's just, it's mind boggling when you think about it, but at the same time, it makes perfect sense. And it's absolutely so interesting to, to think about and to kind of explore that. So I'm just, I'm so thankful that you came and shared your experience with us. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure to be on your show. I absolutely loved it. Amazing. Well, any last bits of information or anything you would want to to leave people with or share with everybody? What I would like to share with people is have unremitting hope because everyone that you've lost in your life, they're not lost. They're just in another place on the other side. And have hope is what gives people strength to carry on their day-to-day lives. And when we lose someone here in life, you lose a loved one, it is absolutely one of the hardest things we ever have to go through. Like if you lose a spouse or even worse, lose one of your children, you just have to know for a fact that they're they're not really gone. They're just back home. And how important it is to have that hope and knowing that even though you're separated for these number of years or whatever time frame you're separate, You'll be with them again. It's just a matter of time that you absolutely will be with them again. 
Beautiful. Yes, I love that message. And it's it rings very true. And I know many people will be super comforted uh, by that and also very intrigued by what you shared with us. Is there a way for people to contact you if you're open to that email or something? Contact me anytime. I'm on Facebook under John J. Davis. And my email is John J. Davis. 65 at iCloud.com. Beautiful. Fantastic. And I love sharing my story and talking about this with people. So if anybody has any questions, just have them write me anytime and I'll get back to them. Fantastic. Thank you so much and take good care. You too. Thank you so much. I had a great time, Melissa. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.